Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Buenos tardes, mi amigo. Hola, my good friends. Cinco de mayo on Tuesday and I hoped we'd see each other again you killed my brother last winter you shot him three times in the back in the night I still hear mama weeping Oh mama always dresses in black Hey baby, hey baby <laughs> It is Mikey Likes You What's up everyone, I'm Michael D. Catherwood Host of the greatest health, fitness, wellness, happiness, overall kick-ass living don't be a sad sack until the day you die because you only have so much time on this planet podcast. Um, I wanted to dive into something real quick before I got into um, before I got into the Q and A section, which this podcast is. It is a question and answer, and you can always sub- submit your questions to at Mikey Likes You and the number one, not the word. O-N-E, the number one. Mikey likes you one. At Mikey likes you one on Twitter. At Mikey likes you one on Instagram. Of course, my personal um, Instagram accounts are always available for you as well. At Mike Catherwood on Instagram and that their Twitter. Um, so what I wanted to talk about real quick was um, uh, I, I got into a little bit of a internal conflict with myself doing my weekly walking lunges, which I do on Wednesday for the sake of alliteration, walking, Wednesday walking lunges. Wow. Almost couldn't pull that one off. It's been a long day. Um, and I was doing my walking lunges and now that I'm back in the gym, gym, I was doing them, uh, throughout the, the lockdown just in my backyard and 20 minutes nonstop. I got that from, um, Logan over at Deuce Gym in Venice, here in Venice, California. Um, he he presented the idea online, and I know him casually. Uh, like if I jog past him, I see him at you know a coffee house here in Venice, which is common. It's a kind of a small town within a big town. Um, I, you know, I'll wave and I'll say, "What's up, dude? How are you?" And we've bumped elbows at certain kind of interactions and dinner parties and whatnot. Um, but I mean, I, we're not like buddies, buddies. Um, but I do like the guy and respect the guy. He knows a ton about uh, strength and performance and, and fitness. And he, he presented this idea of the walking lunge Wednesday where it's 20 minutes, as many lunges as you can do. Don't, don't count or whatever. Just, just go for 20 minutes nonstop. That's the only real rule is just don't stop. Um, and I was doing that throughout the lockdown. And now that I'm back in the gym, I started to add weight because I do think the walking lunge is an exceptionally good exercise. And it's kind of gotten a bad name amongst like heavy lifters and real strength trainers and stuff because a lot of chick, a lot of female fitness enthusiasts really got into it. So the big macho meatheads 
just automatically didn't like it because you know you'd always see the the like lululemon chicks doing the lunges but it's an excellent exercise i think to tie in like a complete leg workout um it really does stress like the balance and the proprioception um on top of being an excellent strength training exercise and you get a little bit of work capacity in there because it it makes you huff and puff um i I find it to be a, a really great exercise so um i i'm doing my lunges this past week and i get up to 135 pounds which is not a ton of weight but for a walking lunge i think it is a lot because i know that like ronnie coleman um who many consider he's arguably the greatest ever in bodybuilding but uh you know whether you're gonna throw throw arnold or lee or or dorian in front of him you can do what you want to do jay cutler certainly comes to mind but like ronnie coleman is undoubtedly one of the greatest bodybuilders that ever walked the face of the earth and he is in the top three strongest ever and he would do his walking lunges with 135 so i got up to that late that weight and i'm like you know i'm good i I think i can uh I can call it quits. Anyway, so uh, I get up to 135, and then it, it's fucking heavy. And I'm doing my walking lunges, and I want to stop. Like four reps in. Because it's hard. It's it's difficult. I'm having to brace really hard throughout my low back, my erectors, and my abs to, to stay upright and the whole thing. And I push through, and I'm like, just don't be a pussy. Okay? Honestly. Come on, you've got the bar up here. Let's just, let's go. Don't be a pussy. So I push through and I do it. And I'm done and I'm huffing and puffing. I'm lying there and I'm like beat up. And I started to think about how it's it takes a real skilled level of understanding, like a real high level of self-awareness and discipline and self-control to walk the fine line between don't be a pussy and don't be an idiot. Because don't be an idiot and don't be a pussy are separated by a very, very thin line when it comes to lifting weights. Um, The reason I bring this up is because I I do want you guys and gals to push yourself to places that you don't think you can get to. I do think the mind is the strongest muscle. Um, Not to sound too bro cliche, but, you know, the mind is primary. It is the most powerful thing that you can use in, in any form of exercise. A lot of people, myself included, so many times you, your brain stops you well before your body needed to stop. That being said, understanding when you're biting off more than you can chew is also very important. So I wanted to tell you this little meaningless fable because I do want you guys and gals to push yourself. I want you to go places that you don't necessarily think you can go. I want you to get uncomfortable because I do think that there's a lot of benefit that comes from that. Not only in your physique, not only in your performance, but in your overall just existence. You you become a better person for that. That being said, deadlifting more than you're capable of deadlifting with good form is not is it's not being tough. It's not being uh intense or 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 beast mode that's fucking stupid when you're unable to train for six weeks because you threw your back out that's not you're not not being a pussy you're being an idiot but 
if you can comfortably do three, four more reps of a squat and you're just breathing hard and you're starting to see, you know, you're getting all wavy in your head, you're on queer street there, um, and not doing those extra reps because it just doesn't feel f- nice and fun, that's being a pussy. You, you have to kind of, you have to kind of really, and this only comes from experience. I always say, look, until you get really good at understanding that line, err on the side of being not, of not being an idiot. I'd rather you err on the side of pussy, not idiot, than on not pussy, stupid idiot. Until you get, you know, five, six years of lifting under your belt, then you can really, um, then you can start to really understand that a little bit more. Because knowing, knowing when to say when is actually a really useful skill. And that's why I think a lot of these, you know, fitness influencers, I just, I literally just vomited in my mouth. Awesome. A lot of these fitness influencers and a lot of these folks on Instagram and with the whole beast mode, no, no breaks, uh, there is no tomorrow nonsense, it, it kind of tricks you into believing that you got to go balls to the wall all the time. And that's not true. In fact, it's just dumb. Um, self-control is just as important as um, self-motivation. So, you know, I, just a little little tale, a little anecdotal piece of of uh, my training to to give you guys the information that you know the, the start to understand where and when you can push yourself beyond and when you need to pull back because there's a big difference the difference between not doing something that's dangerous is that's smart and that's advanced and that's that's uh enlightened the idea of pulling short just because it's getting hard that's not that's that's baby shit okay so that's that um also uh this is a Q&A episode got a lot of questions a lot of good ones but i also got a lot of questions that were pretty thoroughly answered in episodes 15 and 16 um i'm not saying this out of uh some level of annoyance or because i'm i'm bitter about it i'm saying this because um, I want people to get this information. So if you, if you have any questions about diet or training, basic overall questions, and you haven't listened to episode 15 and 16 of Mikey Likes You, I, I, I highly encourage you go back and listen to those first. There's a good chance I will have answered your question. Um, so little, uh, little promotion there. Uh, episodes 15 and 16, I, I tried my best to just like give you all the necessary, useful information that you need to know before you embark on this journey uh, regarding food and training. Um, it's not super detailed in any kind of one arena, but it is everything that you need, N-E-E-D, need to know to go out and do it. And then I also give you some pointers into kind of just jettisoning all these ideas that you definitely don't need um, because there's a lot of that shit out there. All right, let's get to it. Q&A, my babies, my babies. Jesus, what's up, Jesus Hernandez? Quickest way to lose weight for a weight challenge, I need this money. All right, good luck, uh, Jesus Hernandez. Um, The quickest way to lose weight, the most effective way to lose lots of weight, water manipulation. That is what 
fighters who are making weight for for a fight to get into a weight class you can lose realistically when it comes to like body mass you can only lose like four or five pounds a week if you're really obese maybe quicker at, at first but it tapers off a bit. like normal people that, that that's a i mean that's like starving yourself you lose four or five pounds a week that's that's Honestly, that's not healthy. I encourage people to stick to one, maybe two, if you're really overweight, pounds a week when it comes to weight loss. But one to 0.5 pounds a week is like a healthy way to go about it. Um, but anyway, if you want to lose tremendous amounts of weight, like like some fighters I, I, I personally know who are losing 22 pounds in half a day, um, it's water. And uh, I, I, a friend of mine who will go, uh, who will remain nameless because he won a lot of money in a weight loss challenge. I guided him through it and he partied the whole way. He ate like shit and the whole thing um, because I had him load up on really salty foods, highly sodium filled foods and drink a ton of water, like two or three gallons of water the day of the weigh in. And then manipulate his water and taper off his water intake to the point that the day of the weigh-in for the at the end of the challenge he was not drinking any um and then also had pulled out the sodium from his body what you're doing is you're force feeding water into your body so it gets better at and more efficient at pushing it through your system and then taking away any of uh, uh any water and sodium and um and it gets you to just just literally pulls all the water out of your body and you carry a lot of water out of your in your body this is not healthy i do not recommend anyone do this now if you have a, a, a grand on the line for a weight loss challenge that's two weeks long you're doing what you got to do i get that um and if you're a fighter making weight you're doing what you got to do i get that i am going to tell you right now i just gave you the nuts and bolts of it i am by no means an expert when it comes to water loss and manipulation there are fucking wizards out there in the bodybuilding world and especially in the combat sports world kids who grew up wrestling by the time they're in their 20 they graduate college if you're a, if you're a a high school wrestler good high school wrestler that goes on to wrestle in college by the time you get done with that you know four, eight years of competition and a lot of these kids are wrestling well before high school so when you're done with this like decade of wrestling you are so good at pulling that water out of your body and a uh, high level amateur and then of course professional bodybuilders they they are fucking literally wizards at figuring out how to do it and do it properly um you do you make one little mistake you could bloat up it's 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 really a complex science but go online google um water loss and manipulation and see what you know and see what people have to say about it again i do not recommend this it is not healthy Water is really vital to a lot of your cellular activity throughout your entire body, fucking head to toe. Do not try to fuck with your water. Even when I was bodybuilding, I never really messed with water. A lot of guys, and I was doing steroids. I mean, I had no problem doing fucking illegal drugs. It was, um, I just, yeah, I never really messed with like the diuretics and stuff. I, I stopped drinking water about a day before. So two kind of two full days of no water. Um, I sucked on ice cubes and shit the night before a show um and i took out any sodium about two or three days before but i didn't do any diuretics i i, I ate some ex i ate like extra asparagus and i didn't use any sodium i didn't salt my food at all for like two days and that was the extent of it and i lost like six or seven pounds of water weight um but 
but that, that that's just my best advice, you know, when you're trying to lose a lot of weight quick. Now, again, this doesn't have any effect on your physique, like especially a lot of women out there who, uh, you know, I'll be talking at like a dinner party just randomly about like MMA or something. And I'll talk about a friend of mine who lost 18 pounds in seven hours. And they're like, how do I do that? And I'm, I'm like, well, listen, it doesn't, it's not going to help you. It's not going to make you look better on your wedding day. Um, it, 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 that's just weight loss. It's not, it's not something that really dramatically affects your physique. You don't look any better. Um, you might look a little drier and like, like a little less puffy, but my point is, is like you, you don't have any less body fat on you. As soon as you go back to eating normally, you, you go right back to the same weight. Um, so this is, this is simply for, <coughs> this is simply for, uh, extreme weight loss. And like I said, getting that fedia. Uh, let's see here. I am doing more lifting six to eight rep range. As you mentioned, my goal is to get rid of some fat and reveal more of my muscle. I'm also eating less. So question is, I want to start measuring parts of my body to track results. Should I do this or just use pictures before and after? If I measure, how often should I track that? Um, it's not necessary. I, I definitely think it gives you a better understanding of what you're doing to your body. But I just feel silly. <laughs> I, 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 honestly, I have no science. I have nothing at all objective or anything good. This is fully just my feelings and emotions. I just feel silly when I'm measuring my body parts. So I don't do it. But if you want to, um, a lot of people find a lot of value in it. My wife does um, with her trainer, and like she's not personally doing it. But every like two or three weeks, my tr- wife's trainer will um, he'll measure just to show her that his techniques are working, you know, and to give her a little bit of, um, insight into if she's making progress or if she's regressing. Um, because my wife is not someone who is going to put on or lose a lot of weight. She's pretty, my wife's in pretty good shape as is. So I think when she's like getting ready to go film something, she just wants to do that extra bit. So to see like that, her, her booties the same size or maybe a little bigger and her waist is the same size or a little bit smaller, it, it does make her feel a lot better. Um, so I would say, you know, weigh yourself every day, right in the morning, right after your first urination, that's the best way, because that's the only time you're ever going to get like a consistent reading any time throughout the day. As soon as you have any water, any food, it, it fluctuates things. I, I can go from, I'm typically like 187. I can be 192 by the time I go to bed all very easily, pretty commonly. So you got to think about the variation between that, between that, you know, five pounds all throughout the day. I'm, I'm very, but when I wake up in the morning and take my first pee pee, that's when I'm baseline. So I recommend people do weigh yourself. If you're trying to lose weight or, or gain weight properly, just to keep an eye on the fact that you're doing, doing it right. Because if you're losing too much weight again, that's not a good thing. If you're gaining too much weight too quickly, if you're trying to put on muscle mass, that's not a good thing. So I do like weighing yourself. Um, it's not about the scale reading it's much more about your your body but it is a good tool to kind of use to gauge yourself as far as measuring yourself i don't think there's any value into doing it more than once a week even that is probably too much you know for every four weeks is probably more realistic because that's when you're going to make some type of real change so um and the best place to measure are um around the navel um, around the kind of the right below for guys, right below your balls and around your booty, like the thickest part of your booty 
for ladies, be, be right below your vagine um, and around your thickest part of your booty. Around your, um, around the thickest part of your thigh and then uh, calves and ankles. And then sometimes, you know, especially dudes, I don't know. I mean, there's probably a lot of yoked out chicks out there, but a lot of dudes like to measure their, their arms. I've never cared. I mean, when I was, believe me, you know, when I was like a meathead, I, you know, 19-year-old meathead, I definitely cared. But um, that's another place that a lot of people find, you know, a lot of value. So measuring yourself. Uh, let's get back to these questions. Giovanni Passanato. Ah, Giovanni Passanato. Che marazza te tutto per guarda carecce te desse mica cazzo voi e te te bonacino da veranda sonorato. Q&A question for you. I do fasted cardio in the morning and I begin adding collagen to my morning coffee in order to help with my joint support. I do this on a daily basis. My question is if this would be considered breaking a fast. I add two scoops to a black cup of coffee. Um, my assumption is yes, because it has 11 grams of protein content and my body would initially pull from this. Even though it is a minimal amount of calories, 16 calories, would this throw me out of a fasted state? Thanks for taking the time. Love the podcast. Well, I, okay, I need more information. 11 grams of protein is at bare minimum 44 calories. Every gram of protein has four calories. So I don't know how two scoops equaling 11 grams of protein can be 16 calories. But if you did the measurements wrong and it is, in fact, 16 calories, that is not going to take you out of a fast. Um, but I, I, I think collagen protein is great and I get it. You know, do it. Do your, do your damn thing. If you're trying to engage in intermittent fasting, just fast. A lot of people are like, but I take my MCT oil, my 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 bulletproof coffee in the morning and, and then I don't eat till lunch. That's not fasting. You, If that works for you, go do it. But if you want to fast, if you want the beneficial aspects of fasting, um, even on a day basis, like the 16-8 uh, fasting protocol, if you want the longevity, uh, digestion help, all that, fast, like really fast. Like don't take in calories. Have water. Black coffee's okay. Um, a, a small amount of sugar-free gum, shit like that. You know, sugar-free, uh, zero-calorie beverages. That's fine. But, but don't take in calories. That's a fast. People who add MCT oil or coconut oil or, or protein, or that's not fasting. Again, if that tides you, if it's low amounts of calories and it tides you over to your next meal and it's helping you lose weight and you feel good about it, do it. I'm not saying don't do it, but don't, you're not fasting. Okay, so let's let's make that very clear. Um, and you don't have to. You don't have to fast to get the benefits of like separating your meals and the, the ghrelin and the, and the insulin regulation and the be better blood sugar stuff. You know, just spreading your meals out, going from five or six times a day, you know, with the snacks and stuff of eating to, to two or three times a day is going to have benefits. And spreading them out from, from two to three hours to, to five to six hours is going to have benefits. But if you want to do a real fast, like a like a sixteen eight fast or a, a every other day fast, the Eat Stop Eat is the book I, I believe that um, really kind of talked about that. Um, f then fast seriously. Black coffee or or, or plain unsweetened tea um, and uh, and water. Uh, no, that's not a question. That's just a nice comment. Thank you. 
Oh, this is a really good question. Um, I'm not going to use this fellow's name because this is kind of personal. But I think this is a really good question, especially for you parents out there. Recently, I was talking to my 12-year-old daughter about BMR, and she expressed some interest in the subject as it relates to diet. I know you have young ones as well. I do. I have a six-year-old daughter. How young is too young to start calorie tracking? 12 seems young. But at the same time, if she's interested in it, I can imagine it could be a good habit to start early. I don't want it to become an obsession either, especially in a female. Very, very good question. This is from, from a guy, so he's, he's a father. Very, very good question. And, and a lot of really good kind of nobility there too. I mean, because kids in general, we don't want to make paranoid or anxiety-ridden about things they shouldn't be anxiety-ridden about. It's, it is, and I, I don't want to play any kind of gender slant here, but it, I think it's worse for girls. Young girls in this country deal with body image issues more. I'm a guy that has bad, bad body issues. But by and large, it's just, it tends to be much more of a, a, a female thing. Young girls getting obsessive about how much they're eating is a really dangerous thing. A crazy dangerous thing. My advice to you, and this comes from someone, I want to reiterate very clearly. I am not a mental health professional. I am not a MD. I am not a scientist of any sort. But I am someone who knows a lot about nutrition and dieting. And I'm someone who has struggled with body image issues and eating issues. And I have a daughter. I've done a lot of thinking about this, but I, I, again, let me please, please, please reiterate anything that you may be worried about when it comes to mental health. Um, I'm just a guy who has experiences and I definitely think I can tell you, I can tell you what my experience has been that has led me to being happier and healthier. And I can tell you what my experience has been where I easily recognize that I fucked up. I hope that can help people, but I am not a professional. So if you are at all squirmy about things, if you're at all, if there's any ambiguity to what you're doing or what you're thinking, please, please, please check with a professional, always. Um, but here's my take. <clears throat> if she outwardly expressed interest in nutrition and diet, that can be a really good thing. And to maybe... <clears throat> fuck around with like my fitness pro or my fitness pal or another calorie tracking app and just kind of take a look at different foods and look at the tremendous difference in some in the calorie intake of like how big a bowl of spinach is to get to 100 calories versus how small a tablespoon of peanut butter is to get to 100 calories as almost like a science project be like oh check this out isn't that crazy how different foods can be you know look at this tablespoon of butter this is 120 calories Look at this um, five, four or five ounces of chicken breast, skinless chicken breast. This is 120 calories. Kind of crazy, right? Yeah, yeah, it's kind of crazy. Look at how much vitamin C and, and, and potassium is inside this potato or how much potassium is in this potato. Look at how much vitamin C is in this orange. Um, you, you know, making it more about understanding and broadening her scope, I think can be a good thing. Getting kids to be neurotic about calories, though, can be a devastatingly dangerous thing that will stick with them forever. Um, 
so, you know, I think you do sound, just by the way you worded your question, I think you sound like a pretty smart, pretty caring, lovable dude who is really invested in your daughter's health. And 12 is not six. My daughter's six. 12 is, you know, 12's what, sixth grade, seventh grade? She's got some, some smarts. You know, her left brain's kicking in pretty hard. So she can separate the the hey i need to go on a diet from the oh my gosh wow this food seems really healthy and and um not not very calorie dense considering how much nutrients is in it and this food seems like pretty pretty devoid of nutrients and has a lot of calories that doesn't make a lot of sense um you know and then and then you know maybe even button it with some ideas about like not to get too complicated but just some ideas of like diabetes and blood sugar and 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 chemical responses to certain foods you know that 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 can go a long way um my daughter for instance has never eaten fast food now i don't say this because i'm so perfect i'm such a good parent and i do my daughter eats cake and donuts and all that shit and 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 ice cream and uh, like any kid and i don't ever want to be the kid the guy that deprives my daughter of of sweets and enjoyment and normal kid food but i i've gotten to I gotten her to wrap her head around like, you want a hamburger and fries? Okay, we're not going to fill in the blank drive-through place. Let's go to this local kind of artisan burger joint here in in Venice or Santa Monica or something. Well, how come, Papa? Well, uh, let me explain. And I gave her in details like where these animals come from. Um, they make their own bread at this place, whereas opposed to the other bread there, it's got a lot of like sugars and a lot of. Uh, different preservatives and stuff, and I can't even pronounce it. And it doesn't. It's probably just not as good for you. And I, one thing's for sure, it's definitely going to make you feel kind of poopy after you eat it. Whereas this other stuff, it, it might not do that. If you want some pizza, we're not ordering it from fill in the blank, you know, from Schmitza Schmutt or Schmaminos or something like that. And nothing against those companies, but you get my point. We go to like a like a local pizza joint, and I was like, yeah, see him making, see him kneading the dough back there. Oh yeah, yeah, and it comes. It's un, that's normal, you know, kind of unbleached flour, blah blah blah. So I think this is an important topic, and I, I, I really thank you for the question. And that's just my take. That's what I found to be to be helpful and useful and effective in my life. Um, but, man, tread lightly. Tread lightly because kids and food, especially in this country in 2020, where these fast food and convenience food and, and, and kind of like snack food companies – have gotten to be so fucking good at doing their job. They have made such amazingly convenient, amazingly tasty, amazingly hyper palatable foods that we all need to kind of do our part to make sure that these kids don't become accustomed to eating these hyper palatable foods because it's just going to be so much harder when they get to be 17, 18, 19, 20 and they have to start making that decision on their own. It, it, it really because you know i think we all know like as adults it's hard to drive by you know jack in the box and then say to myself nope i'm gonna wait till i get home and make a salad that takes a lot it takes a fucking lot a lot of emotional kind of uh a buildup of a, of an emotional kind of toughness it takes an incredible amount of experience and and, and understanding of yourself it takes a, a, the ability to kind of forego immediate indulgence for the sake of long-term health that's not something most kids are even uh, equipped to do 
So, you know, I, I, I just, that's that. <laughs> I don't know how much more else I could say because, I, I, again, I don't want to, I never, ever, 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 ever want to even be misunderstood to think that I'm trying to get across the message that you need to tell a 12-year-old girl to count calories, okay? That, that, that's, that's, in my opinion, like super no-no number one. Do I think it's a good idea to have children get a better understanding of their food, therefore getting, hopefully, subsequently getting a better relationship with food? Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, you know, I leave that up to you, the parent, to figure out how to best do that because every kid's totally different. Um, I, I just kind of naturally did that. Even though I got the body image issues, I always had a pretty healthy relationship with food. Like, um, my mom just always cooked a lot. She, she was... Uh, she was really into like Mexican comfort food, you know, the, the things that she knew how to cook from her childhood. And there's always fresh and not canned, like fresh pinto beans, always available, like uh, an entire giant pan. Um, and there was always, always homemade tortillas. And there was always, always some form of meat. And there was always, always like sliced up cilantro and always, always like, you know, uh, Lots of like soups, like, like cocido and like, you know, meat and vegetable soups and stuff. I just got to the point where like that's what was I, I was accustomed to. And I, I certainly liked pizza and burgers and, and, and cake. Um, but I just kind of naturally fell in step with understanding like the some foods are nourishing and some foods make me feel like shit. Um, let's see. Where are you at in regard to anti-inflammatories, ice therapies, cryo, etc.? Is there a preventative class of supplement that you've incorporated into your regimen? Um, I I done the cryo a couple times. I like it, but I don't like it for ninety bucks. Like it, and um, you know, I got it. Uh, there used to be a sponsor when I used to do Loveline. There was a sponsor, a local sponsor that did cryo tanks and stuff so i would go do it for free it was cool i liked it i don't think it's any better than an ice bath for seven dollars maybe probably cheaper get a cup like five pound bags of ice get a couple of them and put them in your bathtub put in cold water you're you're good um i also I don't believe in any supplements per se when it comes to anti-inflammatories. I know a lot of people talk about um, uh, curcumin. Um, I, I, the science to me isn't that compelling yet. I'm not saying it's bad. And there is uh, turmeric, you know, the, the, the main constituent from turmeric that is effective, the curcumin. I, you know, it's it's it can it can suppress estrogen a little bit. You know, there's some science that it says it's good. I'm not saying don't if you want to spend your money on it, do it. But I, it's not, like as far as like anti-inflammatory stuff, I think a lot of it is based around day in and day out diet and um, and certain practices. Sleep, you gotta sleep a lot. That is has a in insane effect on inflammation sleep good every night do it um do not eat pro-inflammatory foods try to um eat foods that you know aren't going to cause inflammation in your body a lot of these 
seed oils and stuff like that, that's a, that's a problem for a lot of people. Some people find that legumes or beans are problematic. I don't, but some people do. Some people find dairy to be inflammatory. I, some, I don't, but some people do. Just kind of get to know, understand. If you relegate yourself to fruits, vegetables, and lean protein, you're going to be doing a lot of good for the inflammation. Um, contrast showers. That is something I do definitely recommend for everyone, and I believe in it, and I do it. Um, sometimes I shower twice a day, usually just once, and when I do it, hot, 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 hot. As hot as I can take it for two minutes, I estimate. As cold as I can get it for two minutes, I estimate. Hot, 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 hot. Two minutes. Cold, 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 cold. Two minutes. And then finish. Hot, hot, hot. I always finish and begin and finish with hot. And uh, A, it makes you feel great. You just feel like a, yeah, I feel like I can jump over the moon. Woo! Um, and also it does affect my recovery and my um, soreness and my inflammation. I, I, there's also – there is actual science with there. The, the, uh, I believe a Romanian, potentially Romanian, maybe Bulgarian – Weightlifting team showed like a long double blind study on the contrast bath, contrast shower, and its effect on uh, muscle soreness, recovery, and inflammation. And, and it's it's there. And the Turks, the Persians, um, the Russians, I can go down the list of like a real myriad of cultures that have been using this technique for for centuries. Um, and there's a reason for it. So um, I'll never forget it. The Iron Sheik, who is one of the funniest people that's ever lived. But when he came on Loveline, um, we were talking about pumping iron and stuff because Dr. Drew, as a lot of you know, is, is buff and loves pumping iron and loves weightlifting and, 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 and training and dieting and all that. And the Iron Sheik, even though he's can barely move now, he, you know, 25, 30 years ago, the Iron Sheik was a, a specimen. And he wrestled for Iran. For the country. He was damn real close to being on the Olympic team. And then after that, he was at some one of the head of security for the Shah of Iran. He was a bad motherfucker. And he was jacked. And we started talking to him about training. And I like to do the squat. I do the... the, the, the. You, are, you are baby. You can't squat. And he starts talking about like actually, But then he started talking about how... I every day take shower. 20 minutes shower, cold and hot. And then he talked about how he'd, he'd done that since, you know, being a little boy in, as, a, as a wrestler in Iran. So, fun little story. Let's see here. Oh, uh, as far as inflammation goes, too, um, BPC-157, which is a peptide. I don't know if you can get that over the counter. It might be something you have to get with a prescription, but it is a it is a peptide and BPC one fifty seven that shit works. I don't know if it's banned for some sports. If you're an athlete out there, I don't I don't want to encourage people to <coughs> pardon me. I don't want to encourage people to um, do something that's going to get them in trouble. Because I, I, I'm not, I'm just not sure if that peptide is over the counter or not, and I'm just not sure if it's legal for uh, different athletic organizations. But if you're just worried about inflammation and fighting, you say you're getting older and you still want to train hard. BPC 
Brian Paul Charles, BPC157. That works. That absolutely works. There's a, there's a boatload of science to show that it works. I've used it. I don't currently use it, but I've used it. It works. And uh, I haven't seen any compelling science that there's side effects. And it's not something you have to inject. They make um, oral administration that, that seems to be just as good. Let's see here. Um, a couple more. Going through my motherfucking Instagram. Going through my motherfucking Instagram to find questions. Uh, hey, Mike, do you see benefits in German volume training? I'm asking because you mentioned resting periods between sets, and GVT has 90-second rest periods between sets. Yes, I do recommend it. If, you, if your main concern is hypertrophy, getting jacked, getting bigger, if you're a skinny dude or skinny chick and you want to get gain muscular size, I think German volume training is the best. I am yet to see something more effective. German volume training basically revolves around 10 sets of 10 reps with a weight that you can pretty much handle for 20 reps. So it's not by the 8th, ninth, and 10th set, you're, you're hurting. You're not necessarily going to get 10, but that should be your goal of 10 versus 10, same weight the whole time. Um, it, and with a, a shortened rest period. That is um, that is a very, very effective. And this goes back to super training, you know, the old Russian book, which I think is like the Bible of strength training and performance. You know, that high level of volume, if you pick the right exercises and you keep to the, the rest periods and, and that volume being so high, if you're doing 10 sets of 10 squatting and bench pressing and, and um, chin-ups and stuff, that works. Now, here's my one caveat. If you are a athlete of any sort, if you're a competitive athlete, do not get into German volume training because it fucks you up. You are so sore all the time. All the time you're sore. You're never not sore, especially if you do it right. If you push yourself and you really commit to German volume training, you will grow muscle and you will minimize your fat growth. But you are going to be sore, like real sore. So, yes, I believe in German volume training. Now, the reason I didn't, the reason I didn't specifically say that in the in the training um, episode is because I don't think that that's correct for everyone. I don't think that it's a, a good program for like the average person that just wants to look better naked. Um, I think it's for someone who wants to dramatically gain muscular size. Um, and you can gain muscular size in the six to eight rep range with higher. Um, higher rest periods, and even down in the three to five rep range. It's just not specifically for that. And you will get the benefit of getting stronger, which is, in my opinion, the paramount kind of characteristic when it comes to performance because, <coughs> pardon me, gaining strength as a human being, as a homo sapien, gaining strength, overall strength, not power, not endurance, gaining strength, has the most carryover to the other attributes. If you are a, someone who is really committed to getting stronger, and you decide you want to run a marathon, that can be done relatively easily. If you are someone who has gained, gotten marathon-level endurance but hasn't committed at all to getting stronger, you are fucked if you decide you want to get stronger. You are 
fucked. If you are someone who has um, developed exceptional power, um, you know, say like jumping ability, leaping ability, or sprinting, but haven't at all committed to strength, and you want to strengthen yourself to then maybe have carry over into a different event or to, um, to let's say you're a basketball player. And you've worked your power, uh, which is explosive, not necessarily heavy weights, but explosive ability. The ability to create force at explosive speeds. Basketball players, especially at high levels, have great power development. But you're, you're just graduated college. You're going into the NBA. You're potentially trying to get into the NBA. You already have the power. You have the leaping ability and the explosiveness. But you're a power forward trying to get into the NBA, and you're 190 pounds at, at six foot six. You want to get strength so that you don't get pushed around in the key. Trying to transition power, strict power into strength, it's not easy. It's not easy. Now, if you are someone who is really strong and you want to develop power, you can do that. You can do it pretty quickly. That's why fighters have blocks. Uh, CrossFit athletes have blocks, what they call blocks of training. It's periodization. Even high-level weightlifters, power, people who are at the peak of power development, the Olympic weightlifter, they have blocks where they focus on strength. Absolute strength. And then they have blocks where they're focusing specifically on bar speed and, and power. And an and MMA fighter, a boxer, they do the same thing. They work you know, far away from the fight. They're working on strength and kind of strengthening the chassis of the car. Then they work on, obviously, a lot of endurance. So they're making the car more fuel efficient. But then... It comes down to horsepower right before, the, you know, where they're working on the power. And that's the ability to, to get from zero to 60. Um, so you just got to look at it that way. The best, always the best thing to do when it comes to performance is to work each, is to have a, a, a periodization of each. Now, it's not realistic for the average person. So that's why I say stick in that five, five to eight rep range really constantly progressively overload getting stronger in that rep range over time with good form that's going to be the best overall bang for your buck you want to look ripped lean muscular have muscle have strength have the and then also have the ability to go out and like do things in life that that has the most carryover okay i'm willing to field the argument if someone feels differently and i know look if you're a, a triathlete or something and you're hearing that you're like ah fuck off i'm in great shape and i i yes you you may be my point is is if you're a competitive marathon runner and then someone challenges you into being um a crossfit athlete by sometime by march of next year you're fucked if I, as a kind of a meathead, decide I'm going to run the LA Marathon by March of next year, which I, I believe the LA Marathon's in March, I'm I'll, I'll be okay. I'll be okay, you know. I mean, I'll be I'm, I'm certainly not going to win, but I'll be I'll 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 be respectable. And I'll finish, and I'll I'll I, I will have a non-embarrassing time. So that that's all I'm talking about when it comes to like the 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 human the human animal. We are very gifted when it comes to endurance. We are very gifted. We are not that strong in comparison to the animal kingdom. We are not strong. We are not powerful. We are not fast. We are really not fast. Even, you know, like Usain Bolt maybe could do okay out in the, like the African plains against like a cheetah or like other land animal. Don't even get me started with fucking 
animals that fly because they go so fast, so fast. We're not that fast. We're not that strong. Um, but we're, we got pretty damn good endurance naturally. Like the animal that we are, we're pretty gifted with that. So that's why I say focus on your weaknesses. Just like in, in anything you do in life, it's very important. I always like to strengthen my weaknesses. I'm not saying neglect your strengths, but focus on the, on your weaknesses because that way when it comes time to to bear down, if you have to work on your strength, you'll be better. You'll be better for it. Um Speaking of not that strong, not that fast, I had I would mention Ronnie Coleman at the beginning of the podcast. I have a Ronnie Coleman. I, he was just on the Joe Rogan Experience, the nicest guy on the fucking planet. Um, I love his outlook on life. He's he's practically a. I mean, he can't walk. He's a he's a crippled man, and he used to be the greatest bodybuilder on the planet. And he was this amazing athletic specimen. Now he can barely walk, and he's he's like, oh, I'm fine. I'm cool. It was worth it, man. It was worth it. He's the most southern accent I've ever, the most like deep south accent ever. It's so charming. He's such a nice guy and he has such a great outlook on things. So Ronnie Coleman, um, when he was still Mr. Olympia or it was like a year or two after he had been his long reign of Mr. Olympias, he was coming to do a guest posing thing in Pasadena at the Pasadena Civic Auditorium. Lonnie Taper used to do a lot of these bodybuilding shows at the Pasadena Civic Auditorium. And Pasadena, all the way back to like Bill Pearl and uh, Doug Rignoli, has a, has a pretty good long history of like bodybuilding and strength training. The Pasadena, California does. It, it, it's just a place that there's been a lot of people that are into it. That's where I grew up. Um, and uh, so I was working out at Gold's Gym in Pasadena at the time, and I was still living out there. And Ronnie Coleman comes into town to do a guest posing thing. Now, the manager of Gold's Gym Pasadena at the time was a friend of mine. His name was Ruben. He was a very nice guy. And he's like, dude, I'm going to the airport to pick up Ronnie Coleman. I go, no fucking way. You got to be shitting me. He's like, yeah, this is going to be crazy. So um, the very next day, uh, I believe it was a Saturday. It was the day he was going to do the posing. He's at the gym training. And I'm like, I'm going to go there. I'm going to train. I'm just going to watch Ronnie Coleman. And he has like a weight caddy. He's like a dude that just, he didn't train. He just walked around with Ronnie Coleman helping him rack and unrack weights. So he's training. And uh, he's, he's doing, uh, he's deadlifting and doing back and he's doing fucking insane weights. I mean, he's just a crazy, strong, powerful dude. And I go over to uh, like a, a bench, a regular upright bench, not a, not a bench to bench press, but a bench to like sit on and do overhead stuff. And I was doing, Overhead shoulder presses. No, was, oh, I'm sorry. It was an incline bench that I put up almost to uh, perpendicular from the ground. But it was like really, really slight angle, but it was almost perpendicular. So it was, but it was an incline bench. And uh, I'm sitting there. I'm doing shoulder presses, right? And I'm taking bigger breaks between my sets because you know that's what I do and. I do like two sets of warm-up, and I get to my working set, and it's 80 pounds. And, uh, yeah, I know. I know great. I'm not the biggest, strongest guy, but, you know, I, I, I felt like it was respectable. 80-pound dumbbells. I'm going to put them over my shoulders, and I'm going to shoulder press them. And so I get the 80s, and I come back to sit down, and as I'm walking back to my little bench, I see Ronnie Coleman and his little weight caddy. They're just, like, standing by it. And I go, oh, dude, do you, 
you, are you waiting for this? He's like, oh, man, you can finish, man. I'm, I'll wait for you. I'll wait. I was like, no, you can work in if you want. He's like, okay, man, I'm, you go ahead then. You do your set and I'll work in. I'm like, all right, man. Oh, wow. Thank you. And I'm trying not to be fanboy because it's Ronnie fucking Coleman. And this is like, like got to be like 2004. So he's still the fucking man. And uh, so I go. I sit down. I do my set. And uh, put the weights down. And... Um, He's, and he's like, oh, nice job, nice job, man. I'm like, oh, thanks, dude, thanks. Uh, I'm a big fan. He's like, oh, thank you so much. He sits down at that incline bench and starts to curl the 80-pounders. I go, oh, you want me to put these? No, you can leave, man. You can leave, man. I'm like, okay, fine. And he sits down and just starts curling them, like repping them. I've never felt so inadequate. He's so jacked, though. But he totally punked me without even, like, trying to. He just took, like, my heavy, I'm grunting shits coming out of my mouth set with overhead press, and he just started, like, casually curling it. Seated. Fucking awesome. Aight. I got some exciting podcasts coming up. Um, Friends, friends of mine, people I don't know yet that I've lined up. Really exciting, smart people. It's going to be awesome, and in this crazy mixed-up world that makes you think that nobody cares, remember, I do. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.